gentlemen, welcome back to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. I have another guest show for you today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to my first guest appearance with Mr. Stevie Cade. Uh, here in the studio with me today is an, an old friend, and he was a, a radio producer on a very popular radio show here in Columbus, Ohio, Wags and Elliot. Uh, he has a wife, two kids, and currently plays a lot of shows as a solo artist. Also, he has a band called The Dan Orr Project. And ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Mr. Dan Orr. Hey, this is me applauding for myself. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. No, most of those claps are for you, though. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. All right, so Dan, well, I, I want to kind of, as I mentioned, uh, regarding the Wags and Elliot, that's kind of how we met. Mm, so yeah. back in the day, you were m- more widely known from a musician perspective of a, being a parody artist, kind of sure. a la like a Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, it, it could, you could argue that I'm still mainly known that way. Okay. I, <laughs> every show I play still, people, you know, when I throw it out for requests, it always comes back for parodies. Right, so, yeah. of course. And so, I mean, I was a huge Weird Al fan as a kid, mm-hmm. so I, I was the same way. I didn't pursue it quite as stringently as you did, where you were literally releasing albums that were parody-based with parody titles, right. um, parody artwork, back yeah. when you know people used to print and make actual physical copies yeah. of CDs or cassettes. <laughs> um, I still have some, if anybody wants them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys were doing on Wags and Elliot a contest called Mame That Tune, where you were asking and inviting people to create a parody or even a segment of a parody for a song. Yeah. Uh, and then the winner, which was, this is what really called out to me, was getting a chance to have your song played on the Dr. Demento show, which anybody who was into Weird Al or parody stuff or comedy should have known the Dr. Demento show. Yeah. Oh, man. He was so good to us. You know, I knew of Dr. Demento before I even knew of most rock bands. I just remember him being really popular. I think WNCI played him back in like, you know, mid-70s, late 70s. Mm-hmm. That's when I first heard of him. And uh, and so, yeah, and then you knew that he discovered Weird Al. And um, But anyway, when he came into our show one time, we developed this relationship where, because he is a real music geek, not just comedy novelty. He knows really everything. And he every time he comes to Columbus or probably whatever city he's in, he goes to the, the vinyl stores and he looks for the rarest stuff. And so anyway, there was that that was really cool about him. But. You know, in passing, of course, when he left after the interview, of course, I gave him my CDs, mm-hmm. my band CDs. And I can honestly say I did not expect him. I really didn't expect him to play them. I just didn't think that was even a possibility. But I just wanted to hear him. Right. Maybe he'd send me an email. Hey, that was cool. And lo and behold, I'm getting calls or emails back then. This is before text that, uh, hey, Dr. Demento played your song. I'm like, wow. I had no idea. He didn't give me a heads oh, up. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, he played a song. We did a, a song called Like Pink, But Not Quite. And it was a parody of Aerosmith's song called Pink. Okay. And it was just a stupid song about all the things that rhyme with pink. <laughs> and uh, and so he he said he really loved that song, and that was great. And then he just started playing more and more and more. And it's like almost every week he was playing a different song of ours. And I lost count, but he played over 30 songs wow. at some point. And maybe he's still doing He's still streamed. His show is no longer on terrestrial radio. Radio, but he's still global. Right. He's still a man. He just yeah. celebrated his 80th birthday. Well, that makes sense. He's yeah. been around since Jesus was a baby. Yeah, so. That's right. Um, but yeah, so so Mame That Tune, was that kind of, was that inspired by the show, given that you were part of the show, or was that your idea? Um, 
I think it was my idea. I can't swear to it. I do know that the name of the, uh, uh, I came up, well, I presented the name of that tune as the name of the contest. My brother came up with that idea. Okay. We were trying to come up with something good to call it, and my brother suggested that, and it's like, that's it. And then the guys agreed. So, But as far as the idea to come up with, I think so, but I can't swear to it. But I will tell you that it was certainly uh, inspired by everybody saying, hey, Dan, I got a great idea for a parody. You should do this. Mm-hmm. And I never did that. I, I, think, I think I can say twice that I ever take on somebody else's idea for a parody song. Not because they weren't good, but you know how it is. You right. Don't, you don't want to use other people's stuff. Exactly. But there were a couple times when they were timely. It's like, okay, I got to jump on this right and give the person credit you know which i did on one of the cds but anyway i, I never i always felt bad because i never did anything with them but i thought it was you know i was honored that people were thinking of me and presenting me with these ideas so i was like hey you know i've got all these people offering these things let's make a contest out of it right and so yeah and it worked you know we did it for a couple of years and some uh, i can't remember who was our first winner what was his name it rhymed with beth I don't know. Beth Who could that have been? Beth or Kef or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I come in. I'm, you know, I've been approved to be a contestant on the show. I, I remember this vividly. It's very early morning. The You guys were in, what, the Nationwide building? Sounds right. Okay. Probably. Yeah. So, I have to go up this elevator. The, the building is pretty much empty. It's yeah. quiet. You know, but this is a, a morning show that starts early. So, I go into this lobby of QFM 96. There's no lights on in the lobby. There might be like some, what almost looks like emergency lighting or whatnot. Yeah. Then you come out, and this is a, basically when I first officially met you. And I had already submitted to you guys what my idea or my song was going to be, mm-hmm. which was a parody of Stairway to Heaven called 7 Eleven, where I was, you know, you'd never get away with that now because you know yeah, there's yeah. talking about the stereotypical just yeah you know indian or arabian clerk or whatnot yeah you don't see a poo on the simpsons anymore no yeah I no gotcha. but you came out and you said look we found out that dr demento is already doing a song that's a parody of stairway to heaven it's not necessarily the same as what you're doing we can still have you as part of the contest but if you win we can't actually have your song on dr demento so i said all right, give me a few minutes. <laughs> and you went back in the studio, kept doing the show. You left me alone for like 10 minutes. And I just quickly wrote Puking on Heaven's Floor. <laughs> and having been, you know, a former stand-up comic and impressionist, I remember what I did when I performed it live on the air, brand new, that I'd just written. Uh, I did half the song as Dylan and half the song as Axl Rose. And then we got to, uh, you know, you guys used to do these big live shows throughout the year called Breakfast Club. And then that was St. Patty's Day, I remember. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I do remember you being there. I remember it being a St. Patrick's Day Breakfast Club. And, uh, and I had to go to work after that. So, again, it's super early. People are already drunk. It's yeah. like 8 o'clock in the morning. Your band is the backing band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the finalists, myself included, performed live, and then a winner was chosen. Yeah, and, uh, you know, being that part of the prize was you perform with us and you're played on the Dr. Domeno show, it wasn't just the writing and a cleverness of a song. I mean, let's let's be very honest. Puking on Heaven's Floor, maybe not the most clever of, right. of ideas, but boy, did you sell it, and you sounded great and hilarious doing it, and that was that was half of it is, is your performance, because you're going to be doing it for an audience, both a live audience and then a global audience, and if you can't perform it at all, it would it would fall flat, and it was a very funny song, right. but just by the title alone, that wouldn't have done it, but yeah, right. he, it's like, wow, this guy's got chops, and he, he sounds like Axel, and I mean, it, it was definitely... Uh, an attention getter yeah, for well, sure pulling off anything axel at uh eight o'clock in the morning yeah. as you know is never great for a vocalist yeah no kidding so yeah so that was a really cool experience i'll tell you one of my favorite things about that experience was 
another prize was you guys would put out a best of CD of the best bits oh, yeah. and guests from Wags and Elliot every year. That year it was called Gas Pains and <laughs> gas prices were just through the roof whatever year that was. But yeah. one of my favorite things is not that I was on that CD. Brian Regan was on that CD. Yeah, who's like one of my favorite comedians. Just the idea it's like I can tell people I'm on a CD with Brian Regan. That is pretty cool. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. So uh, very, very cool. But yeah, that was a very interesting way to meet you and then we just kind of started continuing to communicate. I remember going to a cake concert with you and uh, the sports guy, Archie. Yeah. So yeah, that was an interesting way to kick off our friendship and then we, you know, kind of reconnected through the Buckeye Cruise for Cancer that yeah, we were both later, performers uh, on. Yeah, who, who'd have thunk it? I mean, seriously, for either one of us. Right. You know, it's like, I, you know, back then I didn't think I would ever really be performing live much other than for the radio station stuff and that's definitely changed and then you definitely have kept going strong and the fact that we uh, meet up again on the Buckeye I cruise for cancer in the name of defeating cancer faster and uh, and helping out the James Cancer Hospital and all that and and, and man what a what a great experience that's been so. yeah all right so I'm gonna move into what I'm going to call the intervention portion of oh. the program. Ooh. So I wanted to do some basic research. Are my family members coming in here? <laughs> no, this is, <laughs> you'll, you'll know what I'm getting at. Uh-oh. So I just wanted to do a little bit of basic research before you came in. Okay. And of course, I just searched Danor. And the first yeah. result that comes up is danorlive.com. Okay. Okay, what's going on with your website, Dan? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's been, it was good for like six months, and then I start, I tried to change something, and I ruined everything. And I've said for now, three years I'm going to fix it but here, here's the the thing is I you know the schedule is correct okay and frankly that's all I care about okay. that's I mean I don't think I need much more than that and but I mean I do need to fix it it is horrible well I'll tell you I am I have a background in graphic and web design okay if you okay. would like any assistance all I right. will gladly do anything you want okay well I appreciate Pro bono. that oh well all yeah. right um, but yeah I just I had to it's one of those things where it's like especially as a graphic designer if you see someone using like comic sans font it's like I'm happy with the look of it. It's just completely disjointed and pointless now. Like, if you go to, the, like, the band section. So, like, you go to my website. Well, since you brought it up, Dan, danorlive.com or danorproject.com. So, danorproject's the band. Either one will take you to the same website. And, yeah, you'll see a big guitar pick, and you click that for my, all the shows. And that's that still works. That's good. But every almost every other feature of it gives you nothing. And it's like, why, why, why am I supposed to push this when nothing is? So, yeah, right. it, it needs all kinds of work. And, boy, so much of my life does. But anyway, that's... that's <laughs> well, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole that's too That's item deep. <laughs> number 14 on, on things that need to, I need to do. But anyhow. Yeah, just when I... when I The first result that came up, and I'm like, oh, Dan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's also because, again, I'm the web designer. It's like, you know, a surgeon going in to do a second surgery and realize yeah. there's, like, still an instrument in there. And he's oh, like, oh, God. Dr. Steve. Yeah, well, that's what happened. You know, Wix.com, Wix I design it myself, or, you know, the wife helps out, and, and we get so far, and then we give up. Well, so. I'm very familiar with Wix. So yeah. if you need any help, I'm on it. All right. Thank you. All right. So we've kind of talked a little bit about the radio career, but I do also want to know you were a producer with them for how many years? Uh, produced the morning show for 22 years. Wow. And then was with the station for three years before I was morning show producer. So I, I started as part-time DJ, mm -hmm. weekends, holidays, or whatever shifts they needed. And that morphed into a full-time gig in 91 as morning show producer. And I stayed morning show producer from 91 
2013. So, okay. and when I mean, as morning show producer, I was still DJing on my own. I, you know, a lot of times I did the show on my own if Wags and Elliot were off, or I would fill in for Joe's show or any shift. I did, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was whatever, whatever they needed. But my main title was morning show producer. Okay. Now, I mean, did you have? Because now you're obviously not in radio at this point in mm-hmm. your life. I mean, when you were the producer, did you ever have aspirations like to maybe sit in one of those big seats and be the talent? No, because I was already doing that. You okay. know, I, I, I mean, I truly, when I say this, I, this is not just me saying something nice and positive. Yay! I really think I had the best job in all of Columbus for all those years because, yeah, my name wasn't on the show, but that didn't bother me because they were super generous with letting me on the mic mm-hmm. and, and being the little comedy sniper and throwing in my little wise-ass cracks and, and whatever. And then, of course, the songs started coming and I was creating the music. So, I mean, people knew of me and I could express my whatever comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I did not offer too much other than rock knowledge, pop culture knowledge and comedy. But if it came to like world events or anything political, you never heard a peep out of right. it because I, you know, I'm. It's not where my head ever was. But but yeah, I mean, I did. I definitely uh, contributed. To, I, I was the, if you will. I mean, Archie was a big is a big music fan as well, and Christy to an extent. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, yeah, I was the complete music geek, and so I I helped out a lot with there. But anyway, no, I, I my goal was to stay in that position forever. Okay, you know, and when things changed, you know, when Wag started getting sick and then he left the show things uh, the chemistry of the show just got weird uh, you know i, I <laughs> it would take a, a lot longer podcast than what we have gotcha. today but <laughs> it, it just it, it changed the chemistry of the show and bottom line is uh you know i was i was asked to leave which they told me it was it was no how did they word it um not a no fault what do they call it um termination without cause gotcha so there wasn't any reason particularly other than maybe they just maybe they thought i was looking to be in the big chair which was not the case gotcha but i think some people thought it was and so mm-hmm. maybe got a little uncomfortable yeah <laughs> i haven't really i honestly don't know if i've actually listened to a single broadcast since it became torg and elliot yeah and i think a lot of that also has to do with the fact of satellite radio coming out that's just it i mean you know when people say that it sounds like a slam on on the show or the station but there are just so many more choices right. now. And so when I tell you that I haven't listened, I know that sounds obvious, like, oh, well, of course you wouldn't listen. But that's really not true. I, I just, I love Sirius XM Right. Radio. Yeah, I'm there's, the same way. I mean, there's so many stations. I, I, I honestly kind of forget. I really forget. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, Archie's still my bud. And it's like, I want to, it's like, oh, that's right, Archie. So, but I mean, it's hard for me to even remember to think about it. Because right. when I'm in the truck, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't listen to the radio at home much unless it's a, a ball game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm a more of a talk radio guy, which sounds weird because music is everything to me. But I love listening to. Uh, I'm the same way. I mean, I yeah. I almost never listen to music radio stations. If I want to listen to music, yeah, I'll dial something up on my phone. Or I, back in the day, I would have put in a cassette or a CD. Yeah. But I I can't tell you how many times. I mean, it, I play five or six nights a week, and there's not a show where somebody doesn't come up to me and say something disparaging oh. about QFM, and I hate that because I don't want. I mean, yeah, my ending, like most endings wasn't great. Right. But I mean, it was the station that I loved. It's the station I grew up listening to, and it me- meant and means a lot to me. But yeah, it, I mean, it's not what it was, and mm-hmm. that's not just because I'm not there. I, it it started not being what it was when I was still there. I'm not right. saying that I was I brought the value to the station. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just like, do you miss radio? It's like, well, yeah. I mean, the best some of the best times of my entire life will always be from that show. Mm-hmm. I could list so many of them, but do I wish I was there now? I can 
absolutely honestly say no. Well, then, <laughs> so, you know, things worked out the way they, they were really supposed did. to. Everything's worked out awesome. So. Nice. So the fact that you were there for so long, for those who are not in the Columbus area, QFM has been notably a classic rock station. So, and we also know the definition of classic rock continues to change every 10 years. Now, you know, back then, when I used to listen to the show and you were on it, GNR was new rock. Yeah, yeah. You know, now GNR is classic, classic rock because yeah. we're old farts. But people tend, like like my dad, he stopped listening to modern music at a certain point and then everything just became loud noise, like hard rock. Once you started getting into, he was all about Beatles and mm-hmm. 50s and early 60s stuff. And once that 70s rock started to hit, he might have liked some of it, but for the most part, it was just noise to him. And I'm finding myself be the same way. I, you know, probably by the late 90s. Now, that's also when I think music changed. Bands were coming out just in a flood of just so many options to choose from. And I think music kind of started to just all sound mm-hmm. like the stuff from 10 years ago. I'm not saying there weren't talented bands, but it just it's starting to get difficult to really be truly original at this point by following a certain genre. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm. this is a big roundabout way of saying since you were at a classic rock station, even at a young age, did you find yourself kind of stop listening to more modern music maybe sooner than you think you would have had you not been at a classic rock station? No, no, not at all. I mean, number one, before I was really full bore with QFM, I mean, in, in college, I mean, I got really into alternative rock. And when I say, I mean, I do mean rock, like not like there's so many bands, like my favorite, if you're talking about my, if I had to like really narrow it down and describe what my, my favorite music is, I'm going to have to go with like 60s British, uh, British invasion stuff. Cause I'm such a Beatles, kink, who stones, all that kind of stuff and everything that grew out of it. My second favorite if I had to whittle it down, is late 80s, mid-late mid 80s rock alternative. And by that, I know that's kind of a wide thing, but I'm talking Robin Hitchcock, Jane's Addiction, uh, The Replacements, love The Replacements. Um, and I mean, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all these Camper Van Beethoven, all these bands that I got into in college and still love so much. And so I was... You know, I was already almost past classic rock by the time I started at QFM, which sounds weird. But, I mean, I was such a classic rock kid in high school Mm -hmm. that by the time I was at QFM, quite frankly, I was bored with most of what we were playing. Oh, really? I mean, it it sounds terrible, but I mean, but it didn't matter because I wasn't, I was there to... But twenty plus years too. I mean, you're yeah. you're, you're going to hear the same song so many well, times. Well, that's the biggest criticism QFM's always had, and I've actually defended that because and and plus they think because my, my title said producer, they thought that was meant that I create the playlist, and I gotcha. I never had anything to do with that other than the morning show. I would I would decide what comedy songs got on or what. Let's put it this way: I was given. I was given the menu, and I would pick from the menu. So okay. I, I, you know, yes, I, I chose what songs got played, and, but only because I had the choice of limited what was given to me. Anyway, the big the thing on QFM was, man, they've always played the same songs by the same artists, or I'm so tired of hearing Bob Seger. It's like, yeah, you are, but just because you're tired of it, what if some 20-year-old, you know, should we not play it? Because if we only play stuff that you aren't tired of hearing, it's going to get super narrow. Right. Now, on the other hand, would I love to see them open it up or any any... Any classic rock station at that point, mm-hmm. uh, for that matter, uh, open it up. Of course I would. For my taste, I'd love to go way deeper. Right. I mean, but anyway, to answer your question, by the time I got to QFM, yes, it was my music. Then it's the stuff I knew. But as far as a listener and fan of the music, I was already over it. Okay. You know? I mean, I still love it. But well, that's good. I was just curious because I want, you know, I wasn't sure if that may yeah. have affected yeah. your desire or even your ability to really keep up with the more modern stuff since you were so ingrained in that I culture. I was, I was until, in my opinion, it started to suck. Gotcha. <laughs> like, like I am, I'm sorry, but I am just not a fan of almost 
almost any, I can't say that, it's so bright, broad, but what became popular is 90s rock, not me. Right. I, I just not into most of it. Some of it, yeah, of course, but for the most part, there's definitely a sound, and it, to me, it's kind of all the same. Gotcha. <laughs> like uh, Wolfgang Van Halen, you know, yeah, it's super impressive what that kid's doing, and, mm-hmm. and he recorded all that stuff himself, and I mean, it really is. It's like, dude's talented. They're like, they're like, do you like the songs? They're like, no, because they sound like every other band right. that I got tired of, and, then, and you know, I just wasn't into that stuff and that's what killed me with music you know once you started getting into that nickelback era and i mean even yeah. i remember specifically shortly after kurt cobain's death that's when all of a sudden the band bush was inserted into modern society because they had a similar sound to nirvana mm. so that's yeah. where we started to see the industry start to really commercialize i mean there used yeah. to be a time when we were you know teenagers or early 20s were getting a record deal was actually a big deal then all yeah. of a sudden it just became a big loan and you had bands like the Goo Goo Dolls that yeah. were hugely successful with the song off the City of Angels soundtrack, Iris, I believe it is. Yeah. And they finally get an envelope from the record company and they it's a bill. They still owed money to the record company. Yeah, I, it's... Um... It's real, it's so tough to talk about this without sounding like an old, bitter guy, but it's it's it just is sad. I so miss everything I used to love about music. I miss... Going record shopping. Mm-hmm. I now I know vinyls coming back, but it's it's still not the same. Right. I miss like I miss looking at the Best Buy ads every Sunday for what the new releases were coming out. And this is even CDs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I I had like three thousand albums on vinyl before I finally gave up and started going to CDs. And disgracefully, my vinyl collection through my uh, my married days oh, went, went down. You know, got right. got smaller and smaller. I couldn't keep you know good proper care of them space wise, and so I don't have nearly what I had. But anyway, I miss I miss CD buying. I miss caring about you know new bands. Like I hear them, I, I listen for them, and they just don't. Most of them don't do it for me. Now that's not to say there's nothing good out there. It's just great bands don't really get a chance to. Right. You, you have to really dig for them. Yeah, because they're and, just they don't follow the formula. I mean, yeah. music commercialized music has gotten so formulaic. There's some I don't remember the name of the. It's a pop song I heard in like a lobby the other day, and it's like. And all I could hear is, you give love a bad name. All the, no, and the yeah. melody was so close. I'm like, how are they not getting sued? And just yeah. like we've seen, whether I don't know, it was Ed Sheeran or someone else. Um, they got in trouble with like a Tom Petty. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, um, not Ed Sheeran, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Sam. Sam Smith. Sam, Sam Smith. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it was. It was damn near spot on. But that's what I was saying. It's so hard nowadays oh. when you're talking G, C, D, A. When you're talking yeah. basic open chord structures, it's almost impossible to write a song nowadays that yeah. I- unless you really are stretching like a progressive, like a dream theater where you're using chords or things that they're just don't make sense from a standard musical perspective. But just like you said, those are the deep bands. You have to dig for them yeah. because they're more concerned about the talent and the dignity of what they're doing than they are about the dollar. Yeah, I just I just so don't want to hear myself say they're all sounding the same because that's, <laughs> that's like the oldest, worst thing you could say. But man, it's it's tough. You yeah. know, there's when something really, truly original and fresh comes out and grabs your attention. And sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I'm OK with derivative because, hell, I mean, I, if it sounds like a band I used to love, then right. Right. Bring it. Like, I'm a huge <laughs> Muse fan. Muse, yeah. and I'm, I'm not into electronica at all, but, you know, they obviously started 
out in the late 90s as more just straight rock, but they have that British sensibility of the way that they structure their chords and their songs, and it, it just really does kind of harken back to yeah. some of those older British bands that got me into rock music. Yeah, well, and you know, going back to what I was, you know, as far as what I miss, other than just record buying and, and that kind of thing and being excited about new music, is frankly, I do miss radio stations where, where the jocks didn't care about what their voices sounded, but they were compelling, interesting, informative about mm-hmm. what they were playing, passionate about what they were playing. Right. And to be honest, like, again, I'm not saying that anything went downhill after I left QFM or QFM left me. Right. <laughs> but because even when I was there, I'm frankly, we had so many, like, especially part-timer jocks mm-hmm. who didn't know anything about what, I mean, they just didn't. And that would have crushed me as a listener. That would they, that would have lost me, you know? Right. Because so much of what I loved about QFM growing up were the jocks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They either were, were funny or they were just normal and cool and almost like Big Brother, like, I don't mean like in the big giant eye in the sky. I mean like your Big Brother hipping you to music. You right. know? That's that's what I loved about QFM. They were just real jocks. And, and uh, by the way, if anything has made you sound like an old man so yeah, far, it's, the it's saying hipping you oh. to music. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right, Are uh, you hip to this groove, cat? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, I'll break my hip. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, there you break in the hip into the music. That's right. All right. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple like quick short answer questions for you as a musician. So now we're kind of moving away from the radio side of Dan oh, Orr and into okay. the musician. So <clears throat> let me move over here now. All right. <laughs> for a minute I'm like, "Where are you going?" <laughs> All right. So, as we talk, you're a parody artist. I I assume you had to be a big Weird Al fan as I was. Okay, were this, you is, not? this is the here's oh gosh, here's the big headline that nobody will care about. Yay! I actually made this confession to somebody f- just this past summer. I don't dislike Al at all. I went and saw him in concert once. I'm okay, I'm a huge music collector, I'm a huge fan of comedy, I love satire. Mm-hmm. So I was a huge Weird Al fan, right? No, I wasn't. And I can't even explain why, but I just, I found him amusing, but mm-hmm. I never thought this guy is so, so damn clever. I mean, that sounds terrible because no, he's the king, sense. but he just, I mean, I Spinal Tap, I worship, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like I'm being catty, like, oh, I'm a parody guy and I, Weird Al's not that good. I don't mean it that way, but no, as a kid and growing up, now his his videos entertain me and I mm-hmm. laughed at some of those, but I, I, I tell you, most of his parodies to me were just okay. And and I never really was a parody fan of music. And honestly, there's my other thing. I'm really not still. I'm not a fan of parody music. Oh, really? I just fell into it because I could do it. Right. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's. I'm a huge fan of music and I'm a huge fan of comedy. But most parodies I find annoying. Okay. <laughs> that, hey, that's very insightful, though. Yeah. And I mean, for yeah. people who aren't musicians that are listening, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the case with a lot of people that, you know, they're maybe doing something that's not. Like, like for example, Garth Brooks. He's no for his country, but his favorite band, I believe, is Kiss. Yeah. I mean, he grew up just diehard, you know, Gene Simmons, bloody, right. you know, coming out of the mouth and right. hard rock. Yeah, but he's not going to tell you he doesn't like country music. Right, no. <laughs> and so I feel terrible saying that, and, and like, you know, I feel like, you know, people are thinking I'm being a jerk about it, but, I mean, and here's where I'm going to sound even worse. Man, I'm going to want you to delete all of this, but it's like, <laughs> I, I am proud of almost every song I recorded. Like, mm-hmm. even though I don't like parodies in general, I do like the ones we came up with. Right. And had fun with them. I mean, some of them were pretty awful, and I'd never want anybody to be 
reminded of them. But most of them were, were really fun to do. But, I mean, there there's a lot of musical comedy that I do like. But when it comes to parodies, it's got to be super clever and, and something that just totally... I don't know. I, it comes this way about anything. To me, whether you're a musician or a painter or an athlete, if I feel like what you're doing is something I could have done, I'm just not that impressed. But if you do something I don't think I could have thought of, gotcha. you're my hero. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know? Um, boy, I, I don't want to say that I could do what Weird Al did, because I definitely would not have the video. You know, he's, he's an absolute clown and a brilliant guy. Yeah, and, yeah, very and, intelligent. Yeah, super intelligent guy, and uh, and he knows his music as well. I mean, I've got nothing against Weird Al, but I just know, to answer your question, I wasn't a fan, but I also wasn't a hater. You know, okay. he was just a... Well, that's going to kill my question, which was, uh, what was your favorite Weird Al song? Well, um, I did like, like, he had a couple of original songs. That yeah, my favorite is an original, actually. Yeah, and there's one, what was it? Um, um, it was One More Minute. That's my favorite yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, great concept. Old 50s, like, bebop. Yeah, and... yeah. see, that stuff I like. Right. And that and that was great. But most of his parodies, I feel like, if you put us up, you know, put, put us in a room together, we could have come up with the same stuff. Right. You, you probably could have, too. Right. You know, hell, you wrote, you wrote, wrote right. one and song I, in 30 I used seconds. to have, I, I had aspirations to do a Metallica cover band that was nothing but parodies of Metallica songs yeah. called Metallicooks. Yeah. And I had, like, For Whom the Bread Molds. Yeah. And, uh, like, Two, which was just the song one, one but yeah, everything yeah. was opposite. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah uh, ham and cheese platter instead of nothing else matters. Yeah. So Weird Al isn't bad, but he 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 was kind of blessed with the goofy look, right? And the great uh, presence to, to come up, and, and the timing was good too. Doctor mm-hmm. Demento found him right before MTV, and so you know things worked out well for him, and I am glad because he's. He, and uh, there was no one else really doing that like commercially, so he kind of yeah. cornered the market, and yeah. I think he also will probably helped elevate his fame was. The the fact that he would get lawsuits from people, yeah, and that was in the news. So he was he was making the news outside of necessarily just the music, which I think made him more of a household name. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So we have the same favorite Weird Al. That's absolutely uh, true. We're soulmates. Yeah. Okay. So one more question for you as a musician: As I've gotten older. And now also, I'm just now reinserting myself as a solo musician after having been in a band for so long. So I'm having to learn all these songs like rapidly. I lean on my iPad. I know that's such kind of a problematic thing with a lot of modern musicians. Mm. How in the hell do you remember you are like... Like, you just pull stuff out of a hat. Even if you haven't played it in, like, 20 years, you may not be spot on, but you are damn close. You're remembering words. I don't understand how your brain does it. I guess I'm just doing the right thing, Jeff. And, I mean, that worked out for me in radio as well. So it's it's what I know. It's what my brain liked to, to hold on to. Right. You know, it's I can't really explain it. And, so, you know, I learn, try to learn a couple new songs every week or songs to add. Mm. They're not new. Right. <laughs> They're songs <laughs> that are sometimes decades and decades old. But I, I can't really explain it other than it's it's what I know and love and what stays in my head. I mean, would I trade it for some car maintenance knowledge? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> I, if I could trade portions of my musical brain for something valuable and it would not have me to call a guy every time I need something fixed. Right. Thank, thank God my wife is handy because okay. she, 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 she fixes most of the stuff in the house. I'll, I'll just go ahead and admit that as well. But yeah, so, you know, I don't like it when I see 
regular paid musicians locally use them. But I'll tell you, and I sometimes would, speaking of my wife, I, there's a song that we do in our band. We do uh, Billy Squire, Everybody Wants You. Mm-hmm. And she sings it. And she has sung that with and us. And she for, has an amazing voice. She's a ringer. She's, Powerful. Yeah, yeah. I turned her to the dark side. She was. She's a, <laughs> a, a stage singer, like, you know, show tunes and right. stuff. And yeah, huge voice. And uh, and so when we got together and I already had the band, of course, we, we had her come up. First thing we ever had her do was she does sound effects. She actually did sound effects one time on the radio. She did. She was in radio too. She did morning radio uh, with our sister station K ninety five. And Michael Winslow, the sound effects mm-hmm. guy from Police Academy, came in and they did a, a duet of sound effects. Wow! She does a car alarm that's amazing, and he did this police siren. It was pretty nice. hilarious. Anyway, uh, we first song we had her do with us was Barracuda by Heart, and of right. course she still does that and nails it. And but anyway, uh, she does um, for for everybody wants you. She's been singing that with us for I don't know ten years now, and she still whips out her phone on that one. Really? Yeah, and it's like man, but I mean, it's and, that and, crutch. That's my problem. Yeah. Is so many of these songs that I dial up in my you know three or four hour sets. Yeah. I know I know it. Yeah. I know I've been performing it for years. Even maybe I was doing it with the band. It's just you have this fear in the back of your head that the first time. I don't have it open, yeah. I'm going to need it. But then I have it open and I don't even really look at it. But I think that's the, my thing is like if I have it there, I'm going to be thinking about right. it more and worrying about it. And, and we all know, like if you don't know it, just mumble, make up something. <laughs> right. no, Sing the almost, first, first three times. nobody will know. Yeah. But I will tell you, we saw the band, my, one of my very, very favorite bands, Squeeze. Uh, they were at Express Live about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And Glenn and Chris, the two singers, they had their pads out up on stands. It's like, all right, Kim, I won't give you any more shit. Right. <laughs> Squeeze do it so you're allowed to do it. Right. Well, <laughs> well, I commend you for having that natural capability because again, I probably would have been okay with it when I was younger. At this point now, it's just I didn't memorize all these songs and I've been a, just a guitarist in some bands, a bassist. Or... Well, it's just jerks like me that notice and care. Right. Audience <laughs> members don't care. No. At all. And I always try and keep mine kind of lower so it's not like blocking my you know, the view of my guitar or my hands. Yeah. Because that's the other problem is sometimes you get these people, they've just got the device so in front of them that you can barely even, between the microphone and the, yeah. the iPad, you can not even really see the performer yeah. up there. Well, I'll also tell you, a lot of it's because I, and this is true, I'm just lazy and dumb. I mean, <laughs> te- I am technically dumb, and uh, it, for me, I don't use any effects at all, other than I'll turn up some reverb on the voice or whatever sometimes, mm-hmm. but um, like with my band, um, I'm no longer the lead guitarist because I, we added a real lead guitarist. We're the, the same same three guys that's ever been in the band. We've never lost a single member we just keep adding people yeah, that's awesome. and so we've got a great lead guitarist who has thousand pedals but my only pedal is a channel switcher from dirty to clean and that's all i can handle i don't do i don't do the vocal harmonizer i don't do any phasing or chorus or flange and that's not because i'm a genius who doesn't need it i'm just lazy and stupid right <laughs> I, I keep it simple and that's it kind of it's part of the reason why i also don't do the the pad for the lyrics but i you know that's not to say i won't someday right honestly. but the fact is is you don't really need any of that because i mean you're not using it and you're doing very well you're playing what on average probably four gigs a week uh actually five or six okay. right now but but when the winter comes it'll probably go down to okay. four yeah all right, so before we switch to, for all of you listeners out there who listen to the Stevie Cade episode, you know that I have a new segment, Jeff's Asshole Trivia, which we're going to play with Dan here to wrap things up, a classic rock challenge. Yay! But before we get to that, yeah, want to ask you, you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yes, I was. How in the hell did that happen? 
Well, if you uh, if you remember the original uh, version there with Regis back mm-hmm. when it was prime time, and, I don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was truly a phenomenon then. Mm-hmm. You know, it oh was, yeah, it was on. I watched it every episode. And remember when it first came on, it was on every night, right? Prime like, time, yeah. Like it, they would do a, a string of five shows in a row just because it was that huge, mm-hmm. and everybody was talking about it the next day, and it was crazy. I mean, it was getting it. I mean, the episodes that I was on, I, I was on too because I was in the chair at the end of the first episode and I saw there was there was 20 million people watching the second one 18 million the first one I mean that's insane that's crazy Um, did he just change his clothes between episodes uh, yes he did yes he did absolutely Uh, (laughs) did you I did thank god I had an extra like I wasn't (laughs) expected you know we had to change airfare and everything because I didn't didn't expect to be hanging around another day where was it filmed it was New York New York York City yeah ABC Studios there Um, how did I get on well back then you uh, remember they did the fastest film Fingers, oh, where you, they would give you like name the uh, put these four sh- shows in okay. order in the way they uh, you know when the, when they debuted mm-hmm. the, the, or whatever. So they would do that over the phone. They would give you a number to call, and it was an automated fastest finger contest. And they would oh, give you two oh of them, God. and so you do it. And if you got both of them right in a certain amount of time, you're kind of in the lottery of to be called. Okay, but they did that twice. So in in my case. I did it. I got through. And there was lots of times I got through and got the, the, the two questions correct. They'd only give you one chance. Um, and I heard from a lot of other people said they got to that stage. But then you just had to be lucky enough to be around when they called you. This was before cell phones. Right. So this is 2001, which isn't that weird to think? You would think that cell phones were around before then, but they were It's weren't. crazy. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the first were, iPhone but- was... 2008. Yeah. I mean, that's not yeah. that long ago. Yeah. I, I would have thought that, but I mean, they were around, but nobody had them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so it was two rounds of being lucky enough to get the fastest fingers oh, and two oh, rounds oh, of God. being around when they called you at home. Right. Which I guess meant I was a loser and never outside of the house. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. And, and, and but the second time they called and they said, congratulations, you're in. I just couldn't believe it. I was ecstatic and it was, it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, and did awesome. you walk away with money? Yeah. Uh, not as much as I should have. I had, 64. I was going for 125. I had already used up all my lifelines. 64,000. I had 64 <laughs> okay. I could have walked with. And I was being greedy going for 125, even though I didn't know the answer and I had no more lifelines. And I just guessed. And of course, now everybody in the world tells me they knew it. But uh, I missed the question and I walked away with 32. That's not a bad day, though. And, 32 and, grand. And even after taxes, I mean, surprisingly, taxes only took like three grand of that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's I was, surprising. I thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it'd be half, but. I would at least assume like a quarter or a third of it yeah. that would go away so that's like you just over crazy 10%. like do you know how they pay me? when i got home and I, we, it wasn't we, a giant check. It wasn't. Well, I, got, <laughs> I, I did get a fake check. I still have that with Regis's signature on it. And it's got my name on it and the 32,000 Regis's signature. But I, they, they FedExed it and it was sitting on an envelope on my porch when I got home. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was a 32,000 bucks in full. So, yeah. I hope they put insurance on this package. Yes. All right. By well, the way, by the way, thank you for not asking me which question I missed because everybody does. <laughs> that never even crossed my mind. You're the best, Jeff. All right. <laughs> Next question. I think, hey, I think the fact that you walked away with $32,000, I would consider myself an absolute winner doing yeah, that was, on that oh, show. It was I, a rush. Like I said, I used to watch it nightly. So yeah. I know that there's a lot of stuff that I knew. Yeah. 
but there's just a lot of stuff I would have got wrong. And I'm not the most social person in the world, despite what it seems like. Yeah, I'm no. a performer. but yeah, yeah, yeah. So my lifelines would have screwed me because it would have been just a handful of people that I could potentially yeah. lean on. And you know what really sucked for me? The one downside of that was I had completely lost my voice right before the trip. For a combination of reasons, I uh, when I got to New York, I was sucking on, on honey oh, and hot tea. Who's uh, honey? I knew you'd say that. <laughs> I should have said hot tea and honey. I son of that's good. So yeah, it's uh, enough enough about honey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I actually had it when I was sitting in the chair with Regis. They never showed it, but like everything I'd say, I'd have to drink it before I could say a word. Wow! And and it came across like this. And you know what? I didn't realize until then like how much of your personality is in your voice. Because if you can't, if you're economizing your words so much mm-hmm. you can't be clever and whatever you just you're just getting the very basic right out. and, and, the and wor- you know inflection yeah oh yeah and the worst part was when i did my my phone a friend and i had to read the question it's like name the so it's like it's I just, i'm so bummed that i didn't have any voice but it was who still, was your phone a friend my phone a friend was at my my sister answered but it was my mom and dad were there and some other family members and friends so you could group them up you know okay so i had they they let you have four different numbers for phone of friends and each one could have a group of people so wags and i think elliot uh wags and elliot i had like my morning show crew right at a number, and I so had, it's just going to depend on the question exactly, and who you thought would get it exactly. Okay. So yeah, and so but but yeah, sister and, and family came through. Mom actually it was mom that came up with it. So thanks, mom. Awesome. Yeah. Well, very cool, man. Congratulations. Thank on you. That. All right, we are now going to move into the newest segment. All right, kids, it's time for Jeff's Asshole Trivia. That's right, it's the trivia game show where Jeff is an asshole and tries to make his guest feel like an idiot. Not a trivia show about Jeff's asshole. Yay! All right, so once again, because you have such a classic rock background, All right. these are classic rock theme. Now, you may do well. Oh, I can't wait. Well. I love this. It's, Bring it. I it's can't 10 wait. questions with a bonus question in the event that you are five and five at the end. Okay? Oh, man. I, I love this, but I, you know, it's... it's. And some of these might be softballs to you. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't I have known most of these. I, don't, I definitely don't know as much as I used to in this realm. A lot, right. lot has faded away, but try me. Let's go. All right. Here we go. First question. Yep. What band holds the record for most Rolling Stone magazine covers? Uh, well, um, it's gotta be the Beatles. That is correct. All right. Okay. All right. Out of the gate. One for one. So good start. Now I will probably make these progressively harder as they go on. So in 1970, I know you're going to know this one, Mm -hmm. but Eric Clapton wrote and recorded a song with Derek and the Dominoes, a love song to another famous musician's then wife. Yes. What was the song and whose wife was it? Of course. That was Layla. And it was for George Harrison's wife, That's Patty, correct. who was not named Layla. She was named Patty. Right. Yes. And they've now changed the name of that song to Cuckold. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Cuckold. Uh, got me on my knees. That gives it a whole new meaning. <laughs> now we've gotten threes. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right. Here we go. So yeah. you are two for two. Woo. Not a good start for me. She was also the inspiration for something. Something? The song Something. Oh, okay. Something in the way. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, so number three, what American rock band most prominent in the late 60s was the first band to advertise an album on a billboard? Mm, most prominent in the late 60s. Wow. An American rock band. Wow, wow, wow. Um, can you repeat the question? 
Yes. Do you want me to do it like Regis? No, yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. All right. What American rock band, yeah. most prominent in the late 60s, was the first band to advertise an album the release on band, a billboard? The first band. Man, I was going to say the Stones, but they were not most prominent in the late 60s. And um, they're not American. And they're not American. <laughs> Although Jerry Elliott once said, <laughs> we were coming out of a Stones song, and he's like, man, that is American rock and roll at its finest. <laughs> like, and he was serious, and we all laughed. But, I mean, I know what he means, because right. it is American rock and roll, but it's they're British dudes. Right. But that was, anyway, so I, that's funny. You, okay. Um, good Lord. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know the answer. I'm going to say Grand Funk. No, it is The Doors. Okay. All right. But that's good. Yeah. I need you to lose some of these. Okay. All right. Grand Funk was early 70s anyway. What am I thinking? Okay, so the fourth question, just before forming the Eagles, uh, Don Henley and Glenn Fry were hired in 1971 to be the backing band of what popular female singer? Linda Ronstadt. Son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. At the Troubadour. All right. You're okay. three for four. Not boding well for me being an asshole. <laughs> All right. Angelina, this is number five. Uh-huh. Angelina Jolie's uncle, John Voigt's brother, who went by Chip Taylor, wrote what famous song released in 1966 by the Trogs and bonus points, or a bonus point, for naming the 1989 movie that reinvigorated its success? That would be Wild Thing. And, of course, the uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Major League. Yes, Cleveland Indians. Or Cleveland Indians. That, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. You, still, you got Cleveland, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you're knocking all this out of the park. Okay, so here we go, number six. When ACDC's Malcolm Young was, well, young, what type of factory did he work at? I'll give you a hint. He was a sewing machine mechanic. Well, um... Some, so I can't say a clothing factory. That's too vague. Yeah, it's probably too vague. Okay, uh, the it was a factory that made trousers. <laughs> no, it was a brawl factory. Oh, yes. Okay, all right. Hey, on the bright side, any of the ones you get wrong, now you're learning something. All so right. it's the educational portion of the did, show. Did trousers make me sound older than hip? <laughs> Probably. All right. All right. So here we go. Number seven, just prior to his days with Guns N' Roses. Now, I know that wasn't classic rock when we were growing up, but like I said, now it is. Axl Rose made extra money, a reported $8 per hour participating in a scientific experiment at UCLA. What was he doing in the experiment? Oh, man. Okay. These are definitely getting harder as we go Uh along. Uh, (laughs) He was... uh, of course, everybody knows. And he was getting paid by the hour, so, you know, it's not just some, like, one thing, that like, quick thing that he did, like, he got a shot or something. Oh, okay, yeah, I was going to say he was donating, you know, his uh, plasma. <laughs> um, I don't know. Smoking cigarettes. Really? Yes. Well, that, that, that took. Yeah. Yeah. That's, thank you, UCLA, for pumping cigarettes down the throats of developing young men. See, now he'll sooner be puking on heaven's floor because of that. <laughs> right, Thanks, correct. Thank you, UCLA. Nice wow. callback. All right, yeah. All right, so here's... Number eight, which is an Axl Rose follow-up question. So I've, I've missed three already, is that right, or two? Uh, I think let's three. see. I think I've missed three. One, two, three. Correct. Oh, no. But technically, one of them was a two-prong question, and you My got God. both. Like, I'm looking for, like, a C plus at best right now. This is you, you might still get some of these. All right. All right, so the follow-up is an Axl Rose follow-up question. Axl Rose is an anagram, so scrambled letters, for a two-word phrase referring to a grown-up activity. What is the two-word activity you can make with the letters in Axel Rose? Is that how he came up? Let me ask you this. Is that how he came up with the name? Or this it was discovered afterwards? I don't know, but I think it is actually reported that this is how he came up with the name. All right. I don't know this. Axel Rose. Uh, 
Sex. Okay, hang on a second. <laughs> I need got a pen and paper. Uh, Axel. Axel doesn't have an E, does it? It's just AXL. Yep. So, the, but there is an E. In the, okay, so and then what's after it? So, the sex has to be in it. So, oh, hang on a second. Oh, oh, oh. What's left? Um, a is left. L is left. R. Mm-hmm. A L R and O. Right. A L R O. Oral sex. Hello. Yes. Oh, ding, God. ding ding. Wow. So, so I knew that, but I didn't know that. I figured it out. I got the answer right. Wow, but I hey, didn't well know done. that. Wow. Well done. Man, what do I know? All right. You might know this one. What iconic performer... I can't believe it took me that long to figure that out. No, it's okay. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. What iconic performer recorded over 600 songs while writing zero of them? Wow. Okay. Um, it's not Johnny Cash. It's not Neil Diamond, because those, both those guys have done a billion of them. Iconic performer, you said? Mm-hmm. Oh, Elvis Presley. That is correct. Yeah. You are knocking it out of the park Boom. so far. Right. Only three not gotten, plus you've got a bonus point. All right. I don't know if you're going to get this one. Uh. Because this is, okay, this is the 10th question. We'll do a bonus question after regardless. Okay. I appeared on Wags and Elliot's Best of CD, Gas Pains, as discussed earlier mm-hmm. with my parody song, Puking on Heaven's Floor. Uh-huh. What year was Gas Pains the Best of CD for? Oh, man. It was 2003. No, 2006. Holy criminy. That's okay. But that's still, that's only four that you've missed. Um, you may not get and this. I put, I put that whole thing together. That was. Yeah. You've already won. You yeah. are a winner. I have right. nothing for you. Okay. Other than a blazing case of herpes. Do I get herpes. to pick one of your 45s off your wall? <laughs> I, I'm digging it. I've got 78s, too. Yeah, my uh, my grand Paul, my mom's dad, died of leukemia before she even graduated high school, but he was a DJ. Oh. But when my grandma died a few years ago, I basically went all American pickers on her house yeah. and found all these albums. I mean, I've got so many more, but yeah, I kind of decorated my walls. And I mean, I've some of these are like... Uh, Vintage labels, Stevie man. Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Some of these labels I'd never even heard of before. Yeah. And right. a lot of them are early advanced pressings that were strictly just for the radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, so here's the bonus question. Yeah. Weird Al has been nominated for 16 Grammys during his career. How many has he won? Uh, I know this will be a guess, but that's okay. I wouldn't have known this either. Yeah. Um, gosh, it seems like one of those answers where it's like, the answer is none. Isn't that crazy and, and terrible? Uh, I'm going to say he won. Five. Uh, okay. Which I was surprised even to see that he'd won Grammys, yeah. like because he's in such an odd yeah. corner of the music society. Well, don't they have one for comedy album? Yeah, then I'm sure that's probably what it was. But and I will bet you, I write it down. He will be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Someday. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm he sure. will be. He will. Yeah. Be, yeah. You and me though, not so much. No, <laughs> no that's okay. Yeah. I'll live. All right. Well, that's all I've got for you, Dan. Well, I want to. Uh, thanks for letting me. What is this? Jeff becoming Jeff. Jeff becomes Jeff. Jeff becomes Jeff. That's right. All right, I'm not one to give advice, but um, and that's a decent name. But if you want something that might be a little more compelling, Jeff becomes Caitlin. Jeff becomes, you know, just just consider it. Jeff becomes Margaret. Okay. Well, it doesn't have to mean anything, but that would grab my attention. And I would have to now listen. Now I've got to change my pronouns. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All <laughs> that's right. That's too much work. Well, thanks for letting me help you become Jeff. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, if you want to let everyone know, again, we have listeners in 20 different countries now. So n- not the majority of our listenership is necessarily in central Ohio, but we do still have a strong listenership in central Ohio. So if you want to let people know anything that you might have coming up that you want to promote or where people can find you online. Well, you can find my horrible website according (laughs) to 
Jeff, uh, Jeff becoming Jeff. Uh, find it at danorlive.com or danorproject.com. Same website. Ignore most of the website. Just go to the big guitar pick, click that, and I'll tell you where I'm at. And that's about it. Yeah. Okay. If, if you see it in all caps, that means it's our band. Otherwise, it's just me solo or sometimes with the wife. So. All right. Awesome. Thanks very much. Hey, man. Appreciate having you, Dan. And uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Until next time. I'm Jeff. For my taste, I'd love to go way deeper. And I'm Jeff. Now, also, I'm just now reinserting myself. Good night.